So hi everybody, welcome to the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry podcast with me, Philip Eidson and Darren McAnthony, chairman and co-owner of English League One side Peterborough United and we're here in person. We're back finally. in the studio, baby. I know. It's like, wow, it's like 70 days. I've been away 70 odd days, so uh, it's great to be back and uh, you guys have missed an unbelievable debate we just had, yeah. which was great. It was like the liberal meets the conservative, you know, so it was... We just uh, spent two hours talking politics. W- we did and it was actually very enjoyable, but it was politely done and I've always said you got to break bread and you can still disagree with each other yeah, and do we're it still the right talking way. to each other still talking to each other absolutely so how has this week been for you um has it been it's been it's been funny it's been up and down people are probably sick of the sight of me because obviously sky wanted me on i was did bbc5 live yesterday i did talk sports because obviously the whole project give me the name of it again project big picture all these project restart big picture <laughs> that's come out um, obviously, we had the derby win on Saturday. So, from that point of view, you know, football changed everything. Yeah. You know, it's so your weekend. I'm just bouncing from the derby win. Don't you, talk you to you me lost about Harrogate Town. <laughs> I saw that. You know, we, we had to put off recording our podcast because you're a Bradford fan watching yeah. your game. I love that. And I saw the result and I was like, oh, fuck. Um, not good for Phil. Um, but it was your first loss of the season. So, you know. You, yeah. You, you know, maybe in a few days I'll feel a little Take bit Take it on the chin. We'll see how Saturday goes. Correct. Once you, who have you got on Saturday? Mansfield. Uh, they haven't had a great start. No. So, um, yeah. And it, it's been good from a football perspective. Uh, what's really sad for the club was we lost a legend, an icon, mm. uh, Tommy Robson. So, again, I just want to send my love to his family. Um, he'll be sorely missed, someone I've known for a long time. Um, the real gutter is, is that because of COVID, you know, he would probably have his funeral in the cathedral in Peterborough and we would have thousands of people mm-hmm. there. So that's the real gutter that only like 25, 30 yeah. people are going to be there. But, you know, uh, I said a prayer from the other day. I know he was watching down and then we come through, we beat the cobblers, whooped their ass 2-0 yeah. on Saturday. So it was a good derby win. Away from home. Yeah. Any derby win is a good derby win. Always. I love so, derbies. So it's transfer deadline day, the end of the week. Yes, so second one. Yes. <laughs> the real one, maybe the one that, yeah. that we care about a little yeah. bit more. Is you going to have any movement, do you think? None for us. Uh, another legend left today, Boydie, but yeah. he left the club. Um, so we came to a compromise agreement on his contract, um, which, you know, um, we wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. But obviously he wasn't going to get the game time. Mm-hmm. We couldn't afford him in the salary cap. We're not bringing anyone in. Um, we have bids for our players, but we've turned them down. Yeah. Um, so I, I foresee a very quiet uh, deadline day. What about Bradford? Any business for them? What are you um, looking for? What do you need? Well... Tell the after, fixer. After Tell yes, me what you need. After yesterday. You. <laughs> you need 11 new players. <laughs> Typical fan reaction. Might be a long list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we just brought in um, a lad from Wolves called Austin Samuels, okay. um, who's an 18-year-old. We, okay. we need some pace up front. So yeah. he's a, Is he good? A, we'll see. You know, he had his first... Ironically, he played for Wolves in the under-21s against us last week and scored against us. Okay, fair enough. Um, so I like to think that our scouting went beyond uh, <laughs> seeing somebody having a good game. <laughs> Seeing somebody having a good game Often and saying not. we'll sign him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully he'll score a few goals. Yeah, uh, we just need, we just need something a little bit up front. You know, uh, we played on uh, last night, Monday, so it's Tuesday as we record here. We played like we didn't know each other, um, and you know we haven't played for a couple of weeks because our sure. game against Grimsby yeah, got called off yeah, because COVID. of uh, COVID. But um, it's a little bit worrying. So um, we'll see. Hopefully we bounce back on. So, what, so you're five games in. Yeah. I mean, hand on heart now, do you, are you any closer to the truth after five games to when you were panicking in the summer? Not really. You know, we've had some good... Um, we beat Stephen. It's like we haven't really played anybody who you mm-hmm. expect to be um, up, up there. there. So we, we scraped past Stevenage. We had Forest Green where we had two sent off and did really well. I think Forest Green um, would be up there. Yeah, I think so too, actually. Um, we beat Bolton in the League Cup, but they've had a slow start. Sure. You Which know, we predicted they would with the amount of new players yeah. they took. Yeah. I still think it's the same. You know, you're going to have most of this division is going to be fighting to survive. Sure. Um, you know, I, I put as, I hope that we're above, we've got the talent certainly to be to be fighting to get out of the division. Would you be disappointed not to finish top seven? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's because of talent. Is that the Bradford pride in you because you're a big club? Yeah. And that's where I, I hesitate because I hate, you know when you come down to a when you're mm-hmm. a club and you think that you're bigger than the division like you no, want to be humble but you still want to respect your past yeah nobody is bigger than the league that they're in because sure. you're in that league for a reason sure but that doesn't mean that you don't feel as though i get it you don't necessarily like losing to harrogate hurts but harrogate deserved to be a good team yeah they're a really good team i've scouted them myself we were mm-hmm. looking at a player there last year just you know they're a good team they're yeah. well put together they're well managed um you know people forget about the bounce from non-league mm-hmm. you know you look at your lincoln's um, you look at who else previously in the in the past have done it. You know, 
uh, Forest Green have, have yeah. done well coming Burton up. Burton went up. Burton the went up again through the leagues. You get that bounce, yeah. and you come from non-league, and maybe the step up to Division Three, League Three, isn't as big. Yeah, and you carry the momentum on. Yeah. So don't be surprised to see Salford do really well this year. It's taken them a year to adapt. You know, whatever else, and we'll talk about them a little yeah. bit later. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm of that. Everyone loses their shit after a few bad performances inside of five, six games. But I've been in this so long now. Call this experience if you want. And I'm still young, I feel. Um, I actually don't lose my shit anymore when we lose the first couple of games. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, this is kind of used to that. Yeah. Because we've been there, we've won the first seven. Yeah. And still been shit. Yeah. And we've been there where last year we lost three out of first four. And we were one of the best teams in the league. And again this year, I mean, I was in Dubai last week watching us against Swindon. And... We obviously won the game. We were horrific in the first half. But as much as I was irritated, I was still like, you know what? It's going to take us like six, seven, eight games mm -hmm. here to really get moving. And I still think we're in third gear. And I just think for a lot of teams, Steve Evans texted me earlier today. And I was saying, you know, you boys are doing well at Gillingham. And he's like, oh, we're young. And I said, yeah, yeah, I read all your press shite where you're going, oh, we're too young. <laughs> We've got no chance. I said, Steve, I know you would kill your, your wife to get a promotion. So he would feel confident. But I just said to him, you know what? It's a funny league. It's going to take probably 15 games yeah. in League One to assess who are the real title favourites. Because Hull started really well. Ipswich yeah. has started really well. But if you look at the fixture list, the minute they start playing those tougher or trickier teams, maybe it's not as dominant as you think. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. You know, We've got a tough one this weekend. Oxford haven't been in a good run of form. Right, they're third but, bottom. But it doesn't bottom. matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They'll be up there. Yeah. So I, I'm, if my players think Oxford is a relegation team, they'll lose. Mm -hmm. So Oxford are one of the best teams in the league. So it's far too early in the season. Fleetwood, we beat. They've been unbeaten for 16, 17 league games. They then went and lost three. Yep. Then they go and destroy Hull. Yep. So uh, one, of my, one of my little dark horses this year I'd picked, and, and everyone said I was mad in the summer, and we did this kind of, in preseason camp, we all picked teams. Who's going to get promoted? Who's yep. a dark horse? I picked Crew as a dark horse. Interesting. And everyone was like, no, 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 you got no chance. I said, no. I said, Crew, they're such a well-run football club with the youth mm -hmm. and the academy. And I said, they've been together for two, three years now. The manager, the players, they've got a really strong spine. I'd buy five of their youngsters. If we were in the championship yeah. this summer, I would have bought like tried to have bought four or five of their players. They've got some really, really good young players who've been together. And once you've been together fighting in the trenches, you become a better unit. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, yeah, Crew are going to be a dark horse, in my opinion, this year. And who did they thump on, on the other day? They, they beat someone 3-0. Um, I can't remember who it was now. But Wigan. They beat yep. Wigan 3-0. Uh, and it was a comfortable win. So, And the manager rang me after as a gaffer. And he goes, geez, you're right about crew. They're like, they're looking very, very handy. I said, yeah. I said, just sometimes you get teams who've been together a while. Mm -hmm. Ipswich have started really well this year. And I said in our preseason fans forum episode that Ipswich pretty much haven't done a lot of business. But they've got a lot of the same players like we do. Yeah. Sometimes that's a positive. Can be a negative, yep. but sometimes it's a positive. Yeah, that Harrogate team, I think they've played mm. together in uh, Conference North. They Correct. went to the conference together. So it's Correct. the backbone of the same team that's been together and been successful and got all the momentum for the last couple of years. Absolutely. Um, you know, you look at League Two and you've got Markham at the mm. top and you've got Bolton and Tranmere struggling. Yep. So I do feel like we don't really know who's... Early days. Yeah, it's too early to, to tell. Yeah, way too early. Uh, now, but the good news, and I just want to say this to the yeah. viewers, our podcast like doubled up in the yeah. last seven days. We don't know how this has happened, um, but our viewership has doubled. Uh, and we again, we're still looking for is this an anomaly, a statistical thing? But we're very thankful for the yeah. support. Thank we're you. We're just getting out there. there. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, anyone wants to advertise in this podcast, you're getting a lot of ears on this now, so you might want to get in and try and get one of the sponsorship packages. Yeah. So one of the. Um one of the teams that, that think that they know where the season is going and they didn't like it was Salford. You just mentioned them. Sacking Graham Alexander, they're, they're unbeaten. That seemed like a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm not surprised because I would know Gary Neville and, and the man, you know, particularly Gary Neville because he, he, he rules over an iron fist. Yeah. And he's ruthless. Mm -hmm. um, there's no way you win that many Premier League titles, become one of England's best right backs without being ruthless. Yeah. So he wants promotion he would look at Salford and go, we should be winning League Two. And there's probably things he's seen maybe he doesn't like. Mm. They've had him for a year now. That can happen. We've got rid of managers in the top six, and it's not always about yeah. where you are on the table. It's about where you think you're going to be. Yeah, you can feel when momentum's with you or right. against you. Right, so I, I can never be too critical of any club because at the end of the day, we all have a tough job. Um, uh, if they get Danny Cowley, you know, put them down as title favourites. Mm. Um, I would fancy him and his brother. 
to do a good job. I actually met Danny in yeah. England a few weeks ago. He, he rang me up. That you know he was he was on a break obviously after leaving Huddersfield, yeah. and he'd said to me um, he contacted me out of the blue and he said, look, he said, you know, I've you know you've you've been a chairman for a long time. You have got a good relationship with Darren. You know, could I pick your brains on the relationship between manager and owner? Mm-hmm. You know, it's something maybe I haven't perfected yet, but it's something I'd like to know more. And I'm all for education. Yeah. And I found that flattering. And I met with him with a couple of hours and it was good. And just talking, chewing the fat. And he was asking me about, you know, how does this work with you and your gaffer? You know, what do you think I did wrong? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why? and he's been very successful. So if Sawford landed him, I think, yeah, you'd put odds on money on them winning promotion. Yeah. Um. Now, I want to start on a positive note because sure. there's so much, um, obviously, craziness going on around the world. There is. Um, and it was 2020. It was something that we, we didn't touch uh, earlier in the summer. And you were awarded um, the Family Club of the Year yeah. for League One. Um, and, you know, I, the reason why this came to the fore for me was over the weekend, seeing some of the things that you were doing for your supporters sure. for uh, World Mental Health Day. Yeah. And I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more about you know, why is family um, community so important? And perhaps what are some of the things that you do differently which led to you being awarded? Um, so I, I, I like to take credit for lots of things, but I definitely won't take credit for that. Mm-hmm. That is the staff of the club who've made that award happen. My partners, Jason and Randy, you know, they've very been involved in, in that side of the club and improving our service, you know, what we do for our fans mm-hmm. in the community and making the match day experience better for our fans. You know, we brought in like Petersborough, the Rabbitsborough yep. area with computer games and carpet and a safe space for our, our younger fans last year. Because our stadium's a shithole. So for families, if your wife came or your kids, she'd be horrified. She'd sit in the car. And I don't, I'm not trying to, you know. I, I think most uh, toilets in football stadiums yeah, uh, in the correct. lower but leagues. Our, are, our new stadium would be a lot nicer. Yeah. have those like heated toilet seats and stuff, you know, for your arse cheeks. But... <laughs> Um, I think we changed so much. And what was great about the change and the things, the initiatives we brought in, Phil Adlam, you know, um, Jake Baxter, uh, people behind the scenes. There's so many people I could mention. The work the foundation does, the work, you know, our um, staff do, you know, on a match day. They care. They genuinely yeah. care. Yeah. You know, we are a family club. And you saw the lady, you know, Jean Ventures the other day yeah. getting a shirt. Yeah. You know, if I showed you my Facebook, my, you know, I speak to her every week. Yeah. You know, she'll email me, how are you, my lovely? And I'll email her and go, how are you, young lady? You know, she's at home. She's on her own. She's not getting to go to a game. I've spoken to, again, I'm not trying to take credit, but I've spoken to so many of those fans during mm-hmm. lockdown because it's a horrendous time for them as much as we moan about COVID and everything else. These are people who are like really, really concerned yeah. because of the age bracket they're in. So we're really trying to be that club that can do better by its fans. And this year has been sticky because of the season ticket refunds and some of the anger from some of the fans mm-hmm. and the options we gave out. And our fans at times have got the short end of the stick. So we know, myself, my partners, the club now, we have to do better. Yeah. We have to improve all the time. Winning an award like that is an award for the staff and the people who actually put the real hard yards in. Because I don't put the hard yards in. Yeah. I might pay the bills. You know, I might shout and scream. I might go on a few TV shows, do a podcast. But I'm not the one out there, blood, sweat, and tears. Every minute of every day. Making a difference. Yeah. Or doing the school initiative and visiting 500 schools, like Phil Adlam might do. Or delivering a shirt to a fan. The real people who do that are the people that matter. And that's the worst thing about the crisis in football. These are people who are going to like lose jobs. I'm not yeah. talking about my club, I'm talking yeah. about across football. Yeah. And those people who live and work and breathe in an area, they are they're what matter. Mm-hmm. You know, Not the owners, not the players people behind the scenes so thanks for mentioning that yeah. and it would be great for us to win that again because that's really really important i think it's missed um you know when we're talking just big picture at the moment about sure. the role of football sure. you know the role that football has in the community especially oh, when you in the lower leagues because you know for all the best way in the world you're not showing up to win every single oh. week it's about um you know being a part of something that's bigger than yourself you know the, the fan who travels up and down the country and watches his team when they're shit. And every football club goes through periods yeah. where they're shit. It's just, that's football. It's a cycle. Yeah, unless you're Barcelona, yeah. Liverpool, Man United, Real Madrid, most of us know what I'm talking about. And that fan, no matter what, who shows up, who buys their season ticket, who buys their shirt, with pride, screams on a terrace or at a seat, you know, I'm gutted for them at the moment because they've been there through thick and thin. And you know they would be queued up with their masks on. They'd have hazmat suits on mm-hmm. right now. 
and walk in to support the club, to watch a game, to do whatever they could. And what's happening, the government, and, and I've been saying it all over, Oliver Dowden or whatever his name is, the, the sports secretary, it's a fucking disgrace. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Royal Albert Hall and I'm seeing images of Arsene Wenger's yeah, event last night, full. sold out for Arsene Wenger. And it's just, I'm so angry. My blood's boiling and I can't do anything about it. I'm just like, I'm watching from the sidelines and it's like somebody's stealing my wife and I can't do anything about it. It just goes against everything in my, every, I don't know, you know, you can see it, I'm just foaming. Yeah. And they're shutting us down. They're, it's a restraint to trade now. And I think the beauty now is seeing people are realizing this draconian government control and rules no longer can work. No longer should it work. No longer will we allow it to work. Mm-hmm. And the public have had enough. I used to get, for every tweet I'd put about COVID, I'd get about 20 people agreeing with me, and I'd get about eight or nine screaming at me. You're gonna kill everyone, you gotta stay at home. Now I get one COVID team apocalypse, and I get 99% agreeing with me. Because after seven months, everyone realizes we've gotta live with this, and we gotta get on with this. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing to our industry, and I mean they, the government, they keep saying it's the Premier League's job, and we do want some form of help there. The government need to be helping us, because they've helped the arts. They've given them like one and a half billion. You know, I've seen them give some other industries money as well. And they're just ignoring us. And it's like when you've got children, you just treat them all the same. You just can't ignore that one in the corner and let them starve to death. And they're letting us starve to death right now. And there seems to be no, like, uh, bright spot on the horizon. I watched Dad and yesterday do a lot of interviews. I see Boris Johnson's, you know, vitriol and crap he's gone on about when he was doing this, whatever. And there's no end in sight. All we keep hearing is six months, and now's not the time. Now's not mm-hmm. the time. I'm watching American sports, the NFL, the other day, and I'm watching teams that got 12,000, 15,000 people back in stadiums. You know, even in your beloved liberal states, they're starting to allow yep. it. Um, what are we doing? What are we doing to our industry? And I said this yesterday and today Peterborough will be okay. We'll be okay. Me and my partners will make sure we're okay. Yep. We've got players we can sell. Yep. Um, but there are clubs who are genuinely not going to be okay from this. Are we going to, in a year, two years, look back and remember them? Or is the government going to apologize mm-hmm. for putting them out of business? Because that's what they're doing to loads of businesses. Now they're doing it to our industry in a big way. Can't go on, pal. Well, that brings us to the project big picture. Um, it's been an interesting week with that coming out, I think, on Sunday. And um, yeah. um, obviously lots of interesting reactions First I knew here. about it was Sunday morning. Yeah. Because I'd had a few drinks on Saturday night. I've been away for a long time. So me and I missed a few bevies, a bit of a sesh. It was great fun. Anyway, I limped out of bed Sunday morning and um, probably at about 11 o'clock I got up and I have a text in my phone from Simon Jordan. He's like, uh, D-Mac, do you want to come on my show today and, or tomorrow and talk about you know the project, whatever? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, Simon? Mm-hmm. And he goes, the, the leak in the press today about the Premier League and the plan and Liverpool and Man United. I'm like, dude, I'm just out of bed. Give me 10 minutes, let me find out, <laughs> let me read about it. And then obviously I rang him and we had a good chat about it. And then obviously that set off everything. I was on Talk Sport, yeah. then I was on Five Live. And I'll say it for the fourth time. It's a big distraction. I love some of the stuff in there. Give me six million a year instead of one and a half million in yeah. League One. Sign me up. I'm a prostitute. I'll take it. I'll, dro- I'll drop my drawers. You don't even need to use Vaseline. I'm all in. You start throwing in B teams, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You start throwing in we can close relegation off and become like the MLS and the USL in America, I'm out. Anything that damages the pyramid and the authenticity and the the format behind how we operate, yeah. I'm against. Yeah. If they want to try and put 10 loans in all our teams, I'm against. If they want to help us have more money, if they want to help us with stadia redevelopment, which mm-hmm. was in there. Yeah, it's a nice... Yeah, I like that. Nice they want to make, in there. They want to make a way, the, the tickets 20 quid and cheaper yeah. because we've got all this access to more money. I'm in. If they want to help us improve our facilities, I'm in. If, if they're going to help the Football League become more self-sufficient and we have financial control and we have a bigger piece of the pie, and it doesn't damage the integrity of what we're all about, mm-hmm. I'm in. Like I told you, no Vaseline required. You're in as well. Um, but <coughs> unfortunately, Parry, Liverpool, Man United are the villains, according to the press. Everyone's losing their shit. The hysteria, the articles, me on the every channel that wants to talk to me about it and whatever else. And as I keep saying, it's a distraction because they're going to need 14 votes. The votes won't happen. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to have a conversation. You can have conversations about doing deals. And yeah, there's always going to be self-interest in there. We found that out with Tottenham will be able to get some money back from their stadium. Yep. You know, uh, there's a few of the little quirks in there for the, for the big six. 
But overall, you know, the impression is the EFL would vote for it because of the good things in there. Yeah. But that's not happening today or tomorrow. What is happening today and tomorrow is some clubs can't pay wages. What is happening today and tomorrow is that our EFL have known for six months we've needed help. Mm-hmm. The Premier League have known for six months we've needed help. The government know we need help. And nobody has come up with a fucking plan or a solution. What are they waiting for? Are they waiting for someone to die and stick the life right. support machine on them or the paddles and try and bring them back? Is that what they're waiting for? Because I don't know what they're waiting for. We know deals are there to be done. We know there's funding to be had. We know the government could definitely print money like they've done for other industries and help us out and we'll pay them back. So again, I'll ask, are they waiting for the paddles, Phil? Well, are they, they've come out of their hole now just to say that this is a bad deal, but without offering anything in return. Um, the, the cheek of it. The yeah. audacity that like, they've even actually fucking talked about this. Finally, the finally come out of the hole. Yeah. And it's just to say, yeah, not this one. Um, so d- d- wh- where do we go from here? So is this a... Um, is, is this going to be a stake in the ground and we're now going to be chasing down this rabbit hole and no. get everyone on the negotiation table and, or and is this it, dead? And, and it's why people don't need to be fed up seeing me because people like me and other people out there need to come out and go, hey, eye on the prize. This is great and this is a conversation and that's something we have to decide. But the eye on the prize is to today, the bailout we need today. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be driven. The pressure needs to be put on the government. The pressure needs to be put on the Premier League. I'm sick. I don't want to read about the Premier League or upset with Rick Parry and they want him fired and all of that. Otherwise, they're not going to bail us out. So now the bailout's conditional on Rick Parry. Fuck off. Yeah, now they're going to say he has yeah, to go before we come to the don't, negotiating Don't give table, me the delaying yeah. tactics. I don't want to see any more nonsense from Premier League managers about not helping us out or Premier League owners who used to be part of the Football League talking about it. That drives me up the fucking wall. I've done my bit for non-league. I believe the lower down people go, the more you must help them. It should be the same way from Prem down to mm-hmm. us. Right now... You're going to get through October. November, December is when you're going to start to see the creaking happen. You're going to hear. You're going to see clubs, employees yeah. get fired. Yeah. You know, with the new restrictions coming in, with no fans on the horizon in stadiums, refunds are back on the table with season tickets. The government have made it worse for us. So you're now going to see people lose jobs. Mm-hmm. You're going to see, you know, pay cuts. You're going to see wage bills not paid in December, January is my prediction. By February, you're going to see at least eight to ten administrations out of 72 clubs. At least. Yeah. Which is scandalous. It'll be the biggest scandal in our industry yeah. fucking for years and years. Now, if you put your Liverpool fan hat on, sure. what do you make of the deal from a Liverpool perspective? I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm, I'm not necessarily a Fenway fan yeah. or a John Henry fan. Yeah. I applaud any club that is trying to do a deal that helps the EFL. Of course, there's self-interest. I understand. Mm-hmm. But let's not make any bones about it either. The big six are the big six for a reason. The Premier League wouldn't have a nine billion pound TV deal without the big six. Mm-hmm. Let's all agree on that. Yep. So everyone wants to pretend there's 20 clubs in the Premier League and all those other clubs, you know, are massively relevant to the TV deal. No, they're not. Those six clubs, if, if the European League broke away with six big clubs from each league, and there was 20 billion on the table or 30 billion on the table. Money talks and bullshit walks. They'd yep. be all gone. So everyone has to listen when the big clubs talk because they deserve that respect because of the Hollywood status and finances they bring to the game. So we can all write our shitty articles. We can all call for Rick Perry's head. We can all blame Liverpool and Man United. Or we can be fucking realistic here for a second and go, hang on a second. There's a conversation here. There's a mythology that's been put forward. Before we all dismiss it, and move on, why don't we study it and see, is there some common ground to be found? Mm-hmm. But we do that to the side yeah. whilst we get the While we get out. some money in the door. Correct. And that's not my Liverpool hat on. Yeah. That's my businessman hat on. Yeah. That is my Mr. Reality hat on. And not panicking and screaming and shouting like, a, like an idiot, like lots of people have, and taking this story and gone away from the main story, mm-hmm. which is we're in trouble in the EFL. And that's what's been lost in this the last few days. Yeah, I feel as though um, kind of what you said is it, there's an inevitability that the big clubs will get this power by hook or by crook. Of course they will. Um, so are they going to do it on their own or are they going to do it by throwing a bone to everybody else if in the process? they do it on their own, we're all fucked. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, that's life. That's just the way it works. Um, and, and I get everyone's irritation with it and I get all the romanticism of it. But listen... There's a compromise here. There's money on the table to make the Football League 
non-vulnerable, mm-hmm. to make them secure, to help out women's football, to help out the FA, to then in turn help out grassroots football. Yeah. And yes, sometimes, I said this yesterday, Phil, if you can't pay your mortgage or put food in the fridge and someone comes to your door with a deal, yeah, you're biting the hands off. Sometimes you're going to have to open a door yeah. and you're going to have to have a discussion with that devil yeah. that stood at the door. And that's just life. To ignore it would be irresponsible. And, you know, to slaughter it, smack it down mm-hmm. without even going any further would be grossly irresponsible yeah. considering where we are at the moment. Yeah, it, it, And that's the hard truth. Yeah, and, and that's kind of how I look at this as well. That we're, they're going to... The big clubs are going to fortify their power one way or the other. Um, and there is this notion of the pyramid and the, the 92 and everything that comes with it that we've all grown up with and that we is kind of sacrosanct um, that is under threat, but it's going to be under threat with or without this. Um, more threat without it. And unfortunately, we all got to realize kind of our place two words. a little bit in the world here. Necessary evil. Yeah, You've exactly. heard those two words. If you don't understand what they are, go look them up. Mm-hmm. Necessary evil. Well, let's watch this. I mean, even before this goes out tomorrow, there's probably more changes that have happened. <laughs> yeah. More, more yeah. people being fired. The project or, fucking whatever. Yeah. You know, will be next. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? The so, one constant I know is, is that I want my club to survive and thrive and yeah. come out of this. And um, a lot of clubs in there with us won't. Well, on that note, let's take a short break and then we're going to come back with a few of the listener questions. Look forward to it. Hi, everybody. So we're back here with the High Truth Podcast with some listener questions for the week. And the first one comes from Ricardo Pino. Um, Ricardo said that um, Dara has mentioned previously that getting promotion to the championship would really change the life of Peterborough as a club. Is that because the TV money is higher? Is it because the values of your players become higher? Is it because of ticket revenue? You know, what is it that becomes that, everything that gives you that step? Everything. Up? You're talking about we would we would turn over in a normal year without a player sale. We do five six million. Mm-hmm. With a player sale, we go up to ten. In the championship, it'd be fifteen to twenty million. Of course, our players' wages go up a tremendous amount. Yeah. But take Ivan Tony. If Ivan Tony has one good season in the championship, we get twenty-eight million for him. Mm-hmm. You go off Ollie Watkins. Yep. Twenty-eight million for one player sale would change Peterborough United for ten years. We would become a top-tier academy. You know, we would new stadium, old stadium, mm-hmm. improve everything. We would recruit even better than we do now. Um, You know, the way we do our business in the transfer market, we would probably produce 20, 30 million every year in transfer sales being in the championship and give me the access to that kind of money. I would wipe all our debt out. We would be an ultra-modern club, a club our fans who would pay a lot less once we're at that stage than they do even now in League One to support. So it's life-changing. But you've got to get there and you've got to stay there. Yeah. And, And that's where it's always been tricky. So it's just worlds apart. How would you approach the staying there? You know, are you approaching it kind of Rotherham we nearly style? Got it right. no, 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 no. We, we, we nearly got it. We, we did get it right last time. It was just fate. Yeah. Just played an even You have part. like the highest amount of points that got relegated. We did. We're the youngest team ever. Mm-hmm. The average age of the team is 22. And that team, by definition, the following year would have been at least 10, 15 points yeah. better if we kept them. So I, I know what it takes. I would bet my bollocks that we go up we stay up someone's going to pull this out in a couple of years to come <laughs> your bollocks are on the line yeah. but i would i bet my bollocks that if i get us back up or if we go back up yeah. we're staying there for a long period of time now i've got a question from and i've, I've got to think that this isn't his uh, christened name okay. from spud <laughs> that's a great name spud. it was a coventry city fan right, fair play um Spud asks, do you think that football clubs or stadiums should be protected more than they are in their own city? Um, you know, I think given everything that's obviously gone on with mm. Coventry and their stadium. Yeah, um, horrible situation. You know, it, sh- should there be more protections in the community? Well, it's frustrating because Coventry would have the Rico, would have 20-odd thousand people pre-COVID if they're in the championship um, every week. Yes and no, you know, because... Where I understand because of the Coventry situation, other clubs have lost their stadiums, the need for that and the apprehension. 
But then again, like you look at an owner like me, I've only done good things for my football mm-hmm. club. And we're trying to buy the current stadium. We're trying to build a new one. We're going to, you know, when we move across, what are we going to do with the old one? Well, it becomes something we have to, you know, make money from to yeah. pay for the new stadium. Yeah. And you've then got, say, supporters trusts who are trying to, restrict that and because they're worried or they're suspicious and whatever and you know don't tar me with the same brush mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day I, I would never do anything to endanger our supporters you know we we pay a ridiculous lease in the current stadium so we can stay where we are yeah. i wouldn't want to be moving peterborough united away from the city i certainly wouldn't want to be moving them away from like within three miles of where we are that's why the new stadium is going to be like 1.8 miles from right. the current stadium yeah. so um so it's a tough one for me to answer because there's part of me is like no, and there's a lot of me that says yes. You know, we need to do more. So I don't know the perfect science to it. Phil. Mm. You're a clever guy, um, you know. So who knows? Who knows what the answer is? Yeah, it feels like it's a it's a solution searching for. It's it's like what's the root cause, and the root cause isn't necessarily clubs not being protected. Yeah, the root it's cause is yeah, exactly bad ownership. Yeah, unfortunately. Every business and every form of life, there's going to be some bad guys to get in. Yeah. We've had this argument this summer about the police and racism and everything mm-hmm. else. And it's like, you can't tar all police people with that brush, can you? But every institution, business, there's always going to be a bad egg or some bad apples. And it's the same in football. Mm-hmm. It's nearly impossible to keep them out, right? Yeah, I mean, there's not, there's only so much you can do about it. And that's where everyone says, well, the, it's the EFL's fault and the fit and proper test failed and all those kind of things. But, Hard I truth mean, is, and nearly impossible. Yeah. Impossible. Exactly. Are you kidding me? You know, you, you'd have a billionaire one minute and the next minute they're like somebody with no money so it's so much nowadays it can be creative to get around all of that shit mm-hmm. there's always a will if there's a will there's a way so it's really really difficult who would have thought a football club could be lost over a card game right if that's true so you know fuck knows i don't know how yeah. you stop it yeah and ultimately you know for a lot of owners that come in it's not their primary you know they have another source of income so of the success or failure of the business Correct. that is their, their the day-to-day club. affects the football club happened to me yeah it's normal um but you know what let's not vilify all the good owners and let's not tar them all with the same brush now, I got a question from Jim Dawson. Cool. Um, Jim says, my daughter is part of the Youth Academy. Brilliant. Um, and he was just wondering kind of how much of an interest you take in women's football and the posh women. In fair particular. question, fair question. Uh, and again, hard truth, because I'm always transparent. Before, I had no interest in women's football. Mm-hmm. Never watched it, never seen it. You know, no interest. Um, and my, my kids play sports and whatever else. My daughter plays volleyball. I have an interest in her volleyball because she's doing it. Yeah. Um, would I turn women's volleyball on the TV? No. But what I love is my partner, Jason, his daughter's massively into soccer. And or football, I should call it. I get in trouble. Yeah. And he is a big, 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 big proponent of, of the ladies' soccer, ladies' football. And he's, he's influenced me mm-hmm. to be more um, intuitive, in line with it. And I've done it. I now follow all the results. I, you know, keep an eye on, on the Twitter stream on a Sunday when they play their games. We've got a really good setup, some really good people. Yeah. Me, Jason and Randy have put more money in. You know, we've we've allowed them more access. We've we've got them more facilities. We've we've put some stands at the training ground, um, increased budgets. Um, so there is a belief there. Uh, and that has been driven by Jason and mm-hmm. it's got me and, I, and don't call me a chauvinist or a sexist because I didn't like ladies' football. There's lots of sports I don't like, whether they're female or male. It's just you like what you like, right? Um, and, you know, one day you'd like to see, you know, could we get them to the Women's Premier League, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever else. And there's no doubt at our club, as we move into a new stadium and as the club becomes bigger, more sustainable in the championship, you know, we would do even more for, for ladies uh, football. So to Jim, was it Jim? Yeah. Um, tell his daughter, brilliant, I love it. I look forward to seeing her breaking through and becoming a pro. And scoring some goals and making a few quid from selling, <laughs> like I do with our first team players at Peterborough. You know, make it a make it a, a transfer centre. You know, and I'll have to I'll have to probably tune my recruitment into walls to that side yeah. of the game. Make a couple of tweaks to your spreadsheet. Yeah, absolutely, why not? You know, but you know what? Fair play. Yeah. The game's taken off the last couple of years. There's more eyes on it. I don't agree with all the arguments about they should all get paid the same because I don't think that's a gender thing. I think that's driven by interest in media. Mm-hmm. You know, like League One gets paid less than the Championship in the Premier League. It's not to do with whether we're a man or a woman. So if, if, if female football had twice as many eyes on it and TV deals as we did, I would expect yeah. them to be getting paid twice what yeah. we do. Yeah. So that's where that comes down to that as well, you know. But I think it's wonderful that it's taking off and it's blowing up in a good way and probably about time. Now, how does... Um 
what's the connection between a women's team and the men's team? Um, you know, you can speak because uh, you obviously have direct experience of that at sure. Peterborough. But you know, is it are they different clubs that just share the same name and brand and all? Yes, that there's kind like of- with our with our club, it was mainly run by the foundation. Yeah, and we've taken a lot more now of a personal interest and a stake in the whole thing. Whereas before years gone by, it was owned by the club. And then there were issues and it was shut down. Okay. So what you're going to see in, in times to come is the the female club will come under our banner of ownership. That's something Jason's driving as well. So that's exciting for them. And that's something that's just about right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, and I'll tell you what, they kick ass. Some of the some of the scores they run up are just like ridiculous. Do you know what I mean, like fucking eight, I've nine, seen ten recently. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. and 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 I've seen some of the goals. We've got some really really talented football players on the ladies team, like really talented. So, you know what? Kudos to them because for, for probably years, you know, those in female football have been running uphill, fighting like yeah. a, a a battle yeah. that's impossible. Where they've got to get jobs, they're not getting paid enough. And they fought and fought and fought, and they become better. They 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 they've honed their art, their their craft. They become better players, mm-hmm. technically better, more skillful. I've seen the um, the English ladies team, and they're bloody good players. So, and what's that brought is more eyes on it. Yeah. It's brought more eyes, more money in the game, and that's what they needed to do. They're pioneers. Yeah. And you probably find in ten years' time, you will have multi-millionaire female football players. Not talking about endorsement deals you might, you might get nowadays. But because the money is coming because into Because the money the will come into the sport, yeah. you will get players in the female game who will be on 15, 20 grand a week. You know, not so long ago, John Barnes was on 10 grand a week at Liverpool, and that was massive money. So what I'm saying Which is, is crazy time to goes think by, about, crazy to think about. Yeah. Matt Letizia is a pal of mine. I often think, what would a Matt Letizia mm-hmm. get paid today? 250, 300 grand a yeah. week? I mean, when he sits there and he's still working in his 50s and 60s and whatever, because he has to, yeah. you know, although he probably has a few quid, just imagine what he would have made out of his career. Yeah, that generation of players. That generation of players missed out so much, yeah. you know. So you're going to see the pioneers in female football now pave the way for some serious money to be in the female game in years to come. Well, I want to just transition into a couple of business questions before it. we wrap. Um, the first one is from Rob in Birmingham. And Rob would actually love your opinion on whether having business qualifications like an NBA is actually worth the investment. Sure. Well, I, I didn't have any. I spent a day at college. Yep. Um, I got my three A-levels, but it's a miracle. Um, slept with all the teachers, no joking. <laughs> and I only went to college because I was living with a model at the time, and she moved to London from Spain. So I thought, well, I'll go along for the ride, and what will I do when I'm in London? I'll sign up to college. So I went to college, and I lasted a day. And I don't know if I told this story before, but I remember going my first day of college, and back then they used to do a BA Honours in Business Studies. Mm-hmm. And nowadays it doesn't exist, apparently. But I signed up for a four-year course. That's the one I did, uh, BA really, Honours in Business okay, Studies. Okay, right. Yeah. So day one, I've gone in. I've been out clubbing in the West End the night before uh, with a model and all her mates. And I've gone in. I've had like an hour's sleep. And I'm in this massive big like auditorium. And everyone's in this. There must have been 200 people there. And the, the professor comes in. The guy comes in. He's wearing like you know a bit of a robe and all that. And... And he starts talking about, look, part of your course is going to be a project, and I want you to do this project, I want you to prepare this, blah, 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 blah. I put my hand up. And he's like, no questions. I'm like, for fuck's sake, I just have a question. So eventually he's like, okay, what's your question? And I said to him, look, call him Mr. Willie, whatever you want to call him. I said, uh, mm. you know, I'm Dara, come from Spain, four years. Can I ask you a really important question? He said, ask the question. I said, look, can you tell me and run through all the successful businesses you've run? You know, you you look like you're in your 50s, 60s. So you've probably run businesses for 20 years. You've probably had many successes, sold them. And now later in life, you're now like bestowing that, mm-hmm. you know, wisdom onto the people you're teaching business studies to. Well, his face just turned and it was like hatred. And the whole place went quiet. And I was looking around thinking, shit, is my fly <laughs> open? You know, so I'm like, uh, wow. And he goes, are you trying to be a smart arse? And I'm like, no, I'm being, you know, genuine with my question. And unbeknownst to me, yeah. the guy had never run a business in his life. And obviously, I crossed the line. But I figured, how could I spend four years surrounded by people who'd never done it themselves and they're going to teach me how to do it? That was the arrogant prick in me, probably in mm-hmm. 18, 19. I got up and I walked down and I never went back. I rang my dad and I said, Listen, I said, I'm, I can't do this. So I'm going to come back to Spain. And the model followed. So, um, and. I, I, I look back and my kids often say to me, why do you want us to go to college, Dad? Why do you want us to do this? You didn't do it. And you did all right in life. And I'm like, yeah, look, I lived in Spain. I, I had two choices. I had real estate or timeshare. I ended up doing both of them. Mm-hmm. I had no other choice. That's all my choice was to sell. Luckily, I had a talent. 
you know, once I was finished with my modeling days and I did a bit myself, yeah. I found I wasn't going to make enough money in that to sustain my lifestyle. I could sell houses. I could sell timeshare. And I, when I built my big business and I did really well in my 20s and the penny dropped and I wasn't a lazy prick anymore and I, I worked harder than everyone else, my biggest regret looking back when I went through the shit and I hit 08, 09 and, you know, Rome was burning, everything was falling in. I look back and I go, I had people working for me I relied on, CFOs, uh, directors, mm -hmm. everything else. Sometimes the things they were really good at, I would have liked to have learned about those in college. You know, if I'd done an MBA, if I'd done a master's, if I'd learned more about accountancy, if I'd learned more about taxation, if I'd yeah. learned more about strategic planning, if I had more of a plan B up my sleeve because I'd had that academic experience, could I have saved my business? Mm -hmm. Could I have applied myself better? Yeah. Could I, instead of taking my street smart response the way I do everything because I'm street smart, instead of thinking, oh, I can get out of this and I can do this and whatever, could I have gone down a different route based on... Now, I don't do regrets. What I do is I do education. Yeah. So I look back and I go, it's a learning moment. It's not a regret. Um, so... Nowadays, I feel it's fundamentally important for people to be as qualified as they can be, mm -hmm. to arm themselves with all the tools. And if education, if a degree, an MBA, if that's what it's called, is a tool, yeah. go and get it. If yeah. you can do it while you're working, if this is someone who's a mature student, somebody who's maybe later in life missed the yeah. boat on school, wants to go out and improve themselves, I am all for that. I endorse it. And nowadays, when you're looking for jobs, there is a bit of snobbery to it. You're more likely to get a job when you've got a nice master's or a load of fucking numbers next to your name. Or I often joke with Randy, my partner. Jason, our third partner, is a doctor. Mm -hmm. This guy's got more degrees, <laughs> you know what I mean, than me and you that could yeah. fill this room with books. He, he was building rockets. So he's a super, super academic, super smart, super intelligent. And we always laugh because me and Randy aren't built that way. You know, we're like the sales guys in the room and we're all equally successful. Yeah. We've all gone about it in a different way. Yeah. But, you know, Jason probably is very good at certain things because of his academic experience and what he's learned. So I am absolutely always for endorsing. Do anything to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if that's what you want, an MBA, and it's going to help you, add to your skill set, add to your skill set. Because in 2020, 2021, we're living in a new world. The more you've gotten your, you know, your artillery, the yeah. better. So you got to do it. I mean, Phil, are you highly qualified? So I did my BA honors in business studies. <laughs> you finished the four years, right? I finished my four <laughs> years. <laughs> um, I didn't go and do an MBA. And I often thought about, shall I go and do an MBA or a master's? Yeah. Um, and the reason I probably didn't is because I wanted to start earning money. Fair enough. Um, I wanted to get into business. And yep. then once I started, I felt that the experience, and this is probably speaking from somebody as the, the narrative that I told myself for the reason that I didn't sure. go, um, was that the experience over time is, for me, I felt was more valuable than sure. going and um, getting another qualification. So the regret um, or the education that you learned from that? So do we regret? I'm not sure. I mean, I think that I was happy with how that worked out. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of making that choice of going experience over another qualification. You know, when I look and think about who I've hired, yep. for me personally, it's never been a, I've never made a hiring decision over how many letters somebody has. Sure. Um, because, but you lots know, of people do. But lots of people do, yep. and that's the thing. I think it, it often depends on industry, it depends on country, because I think the UK is far more, um, values that far more than the US does. Right. Um, it's a personal choice. At the end of the day, I don't regret not having one. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I'm very thankful for my degree. Yep. And I always took the perspective that you get what education you can while you can get it, sure. while you have access to it, you know, and you have the ability to do it and the opportunity to do it because you can never lose it. And if you were to the fill today, mm -hmm. you know, 17, 18, gone into the world, yeah, would you still be on that same train of thought? Um, I think so. I mean, I, I, the getting the first degree was really important. Sure. Um. You're more qualified than me. From a paper academic perspective. Point of view. Yeah, from academically. Sure. Um, and I'm really happy that I pursued that course. Sure. And I would encourage everybody to pursue 100%. that course. Once you've got your degree, I think it's just personal circumstance and industry yeah. and what feels right. But if you have the opportunity to go do it, <laughs> do it. And if it's, um, you know, a big investment for you, because that's what I felt was like, can I afford it from a cash flow perspective more yeah. than anything else? I didn't do it, and I, don't, I never regret not doing it. I, I have a flip speech to all of that as well. Mm -hmm. As much as I say, look, I, I endorse people going and getting qualified. Here's, here's the other side to that, to the people who are not qualified or who don't want to get qualified, you know, who don't have the choice, yeah. or aren't lucky enough to do an MBA or have the money to do it. Here's, here's the good news. 
And I said this to my kids whenever they fail an exam or they have a hard day. I said, look, you know, daddy, you know, me, when I was in school, I was surrounded by some really, really clever academic people, fucking genius-like yeah. level, who were acing every A-level, were getting into Cambridge, Oxford. Some of them were going to foreign schools mm -hmm. in France, Germany. And still years later, I get messages all the time off them on Facebook about, oh my God, look at what you've done with your life and your career. I saw you on TV. Can we meet up for a coffee? I've got a business idea. I've got mm -hmm. something to invest in. My school in Ireland, because I, I finished my education in Spain. My school in Ireland is a real old family school. Like it's a religious school, mm -hmm. priests and everything else. St. Mary's College, great school. My dad went there and he always loved going back to the school reunions. And I never went to any. And again, when I was in that school, I would be a nobody. Now, if you look at their website, I think I'm in their top 10 most famous ex-students next to the Irish Prime Minister, to the point where they asked me the last three years running to give a speech at their yeah. school reunion gig. And I did it this year. So again, I send my kids pictures going, look, here's daddy. I was a nobody at this school. I certainly wasn't thriving educationally yeah. or academically, but I'm wanted. And I'm not wanted because of my A-levels or my lack of master's degree. I'm wanted for my street smartness because yeah. of what I've done in life. So there is always an alternative. Yeah, there is always a plan B. Sometimes being street smart. And, and, I, and I'll bring it down to this one thing. I'll give the best advice I can give in, in work and business and everything else. It goes to you too. And we spoke earlier about mm -hmm. being a bit more ruthless sometimes and using that word. You need to be a con sometimes, you know, and, and, and go hardcore. Hard work. Yeah. And I've always said, put me in a room with 20 other guys. I'll outwork every one of them. And I've always been that way. You know, the minute I got that taste of hard work when I was 23, 24, there was no stopping me. I would outwork anyone seven days a week, 24 hours a day. For anyone out there who loves working nine to five and 25, 30 hours a week, not for me, not my thing. I just wanted a graft. So now when my kids have a go at me for getting out of bed at half nine in the morning, I look at them and go, fuck you. I spend years, <laughs> yeah. no weekends off, yeah. traveling and working my ass off. So in my 30s and 40s, I could choose whether I get up for work today. Mm -hmm. And that is a privilege. Yeah. But it comes down to hard work. Yeah. Nope, I agree 100%. Um, last question for today. Sure. Um, so it's a question. Uh, was, the question is from Paul Cashman. Okay. Paul says that, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, transfers that you may have missed out on sure. in the past from a football perspective. Yep. Has there been an investment that you have turned down on a new product or an idea that <coughs> um, it's then been released and been really successful? Ooh, anything. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I've often spoken about it. I did a deal to buy Orlando City. You know, if I'm going to talk about any deals, I, mm -hmm. I had a deal done to buy half of Orlando City about seven years ago. Okay. I've still got all the paperwork. We did due diligence. I agreed a deal. It was a great deal um, for probably, it was like a million dollars, million and a half dollars. They were in the USL. They weren't mm -hmm. even in the MLS. And the whole idea was to get them to the MLS. Yep. And the day I was signing the deal, one of the people who was signing the deal with me changed the deal there in the boardroom. I'd never met them before. And I don't do, I don't play like that. And one of my rule of thumb in business is if someone tries to change the deal at the last minute, you walk. Mm -hmm. So I walked away over the confusion, if you want to call it that, over what happened. A couple of years later, they got a Brazilian guy in. He bought the club. I think mean, he paid more. But he ended up, the club's worth like 300 million because they got the MLS license. Yeah. So whenever anyone brings up Orlando City, you know, soccer in the MLS, I kind of like go, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and my pride at the time, only be, you know, and look, I did the right thing. Yeah. You, know, you can't work with people who like change deals last minute. You know, there's a trust. Yeah, there's a trust. And I missed out on a serious payday, <laughs> you know, there. But, you know, there'll be other paydays yeah. and there'll be other deals. And I don't lose sleep over it. But that's a big deal right there. Before we go, I want to ask you about yourself. Because obviously yeah. you've had a big week in your procurement industry and what yeah. you were doing. Um, I know you had some technical issues. Um, how did it go for your business, the big podcast, the, the big presentation? Yeah, it was really good, thank you. So we put on an event. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the first time that we'd done a virtual event uh, in our space, in the procurement space. Brilliant. And we had about 850 people register for it over a couple of days. Wow. Um, yeah, we had some tech issues, but we sure. were able to get over I like those. the fact you wrote over that. So that's yeah. anyone who wants to do business with someone like you, to know they're under pressure like that. With the circumstances, it didn't define you or finish you. Because I spoke to you on day one by yeah. email and you were mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, this has happened today. Most people would lose their shit, but you handle it brilliantly. Thank you. Yeah, we. I mean, we got, fortunately, got lots of credit from people who were involved and we didn't Good. lose anybody. Good. You know, we have a really engaged set of community that was mm -hmm. involved in it. So we, it was really successful. It was hard work. 
Um, you know, we did it for a number of reasons. We did it to showcase a product that we've got. Fantastic. Frankly, we did it for data. Good. Because we got data from, you know, 800 different companies mm-hmm. to better understand what their challenge is, uh, what their priorities are. Good. Things that is just, you know, that as you know, data, as you talk about all the time, yep. data is gold. Key. Um, so when we look back, we look back with relief that it was done, but, uh, you know, we're going to do another one in March, I think. Good. Um, I keep on going. So it was a crazy couple of weeks, but, um, it'll pay dividends. Yeah, I think so. Good. Definitely worth the investment. Thinking so doesn't pay the bills. Would it pay dividends? Yes. Good. We have a plan in place for fourth quarter, how we're going to turn that into, um, uh, cash. Good. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Listen, let's wrap it up. For those of you out there, you know, whether it's sports, business, whatever, um, this podcast isn't just about football or Peterborough. We talk about life events. We talk about football, different industries, other sports, if you want to talk mm-hmm. about it. We like at the end to talk business. If you want more business, let us know. Yep. We appreciate you leaving comments, um, you know, on the podcast forums like Apple and whatever else. The, the more views, more comments, the more listeners we get. Um, we love getting emails. Phil's going to tell you the email address. Any questions, you can bang in some emails too. Yeah, it's going to be, you can actually go to the website. There's a form on there, uh, hardtruthfootball.com slash contact. Just pop your question in there. And um, And if if we ever go down the route where we decide to do just a business podcast, if you're interested, go on our website. Yep, hardtruthfootball.com. Fill in your details, um, sign up as a member, and uh, you will get alerted and get access to that when we do it. Yep, we've uh, lots of things in the pipeline Absolutely. Um, that go beyond football. So. Correct. So for now, we're done. All right, let's wrap it up. Thank Take care, you. everybody. Take care, guys.